Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Amazingly, this is the 75th episode of the podcast. Who'd have thought when Ed and I first started this, that we'd actually keep it going for 75 episodes with a lot more to come. Today, I am delighted to welcome a really good old pal of mine, Alistair McClellan. One of the beauties of doing this podcast is that you get to talk about stuff that you're interested in with all of your mates. So today, I've got Alistair McClellan, founder of a marketing agency called Quarry 111, and also distinguished by being one of 40 over 40 marketing award winners. And uh, Alistair, introduce yourself and tell us also what 40 over 40 is. Stephen, thank you ever so much. It's delight- I'm delighted to be here. And 75th, uh, on your 75th anniversary, which is many congratulations. I think it's a fantastic achievement. Um, I hope you weren't looking for someone of a similar age, and that's why you've invited me along. But um, uh, the, 40, no. the 40 over 40 mark. And I must emphasize that I'm not 75. Neither of us are, and mentally much, much younger. The 40 over 40, I was rather devastated to actually qualify for that, if I'm honest. But I was also delighted to be nominated and, and to make the, the final list. But uh, it was um, within the marketing world, unfortunately, a Age is a factor of which a number of the more experienced workers understood that and saw that that was a problem and created those awards to to highlight the, the, the discrepancy that when you get past a certain age, you are considered to be, for want of a better phrase, over the hill and that there is a, a huge amount of talent in, in the older generation, even in these digital work, uh, age and where people say, well, you have to be doing it in a certain way. Well, you would ignore the talents of, of, of older people at your peril. And that, that was the idea behind those behind those awards. So I, I have to say, I was uh, I was really rather delighted to be involved. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise, and it was more of a surprise to even to, to make the final list. To your first introduction, thank you for that. Quarry 111 has been going for, I think, I, I guess I'm slightly surprised as you are with uh, the GeoMob uh, longevity. I, I guess I'm surprised with uh, with Quarry 111. I, I started it in 2004, of all things, and um, and here we are, 2021, and I'm still going. So I'm really rather pleased with that. The idea was to bring marketing advice, services, capabilities to the geo world, which I rather arrogantly felt lacked them, for want of a better word. And I find myself a number of years down the line of a similar opinion. Uh, I'm afraid <laughs> I still find this this wonderful industry that you and I both work in and have dedicated our, our working lives to still uh, I would suggest, in the nicest possible way I can say this, behind other industries in the way that uh, we go out and sell ourselves to the rest of the world and to, to, the, to the people that I think we need to uh, be talking to and in, 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 in the language that they understand. So uh, my work is never done. I, I continue to work with fantastic clients and, and, and fantastic organizations. And as, uh, as frivolous as I sometimes uh, may come across, I, uh, I think what they're doing is fantastic. And what I think they, um, and, and the, the capabilities of the geo world for put that in apostrophes, I think is, is, is accelerating. I think the, 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 the innovation and the, the capabilities of these uh, startups and established companies just, just expands every day, which, which sort of almost, almost makes the problem worse in as much as very many other organizations and industries are missing out and don't understand these innovations, don't understand this capability and and therefore don't use it, which I guess is the point of Quarry 111. Okay. So do you only work with 
Do you work with big clients, small clients, or all sides? Yeah, we've worked across the, the full range from multinational, 1,000 people and beyond companies. I'm currently supporting the GTEC group uh, in work that I do there and various other people who are aim-listed and big, big companies who work with international energy companies. To, I'm also doing the, the Copernicus uh, mentoring scheme where I'm supporting a, a brand new startup uh, based in Paris of, of kids that look 11 years old to me, but um, that, may be a, that may be a factor of my of my advancing years but i i and and again i'm just so impressed by by speaking specifically about those guys is is their confidence their capabilities in going out into a world raising money starting companies when you know they're in their early 20s is it's just fantastic and i enjoy really enjoy that kind of work where i'm able to be that voice yeah. at the background that says have you thought about doing this have you thought about doing that? yeah me too i i find mentoring young startups more and more satisfying as I get you know, to the latter days of my career. You know, if people are actually willing to put their lives on the line, their livelihoods on the line and go and do this stuff, then it behoves us who can, who've got experience and maybe a bit of time that we can afford to share to help them. So, yeah, all strength to you, mate, for doing that. So there's a question that I've been meaning to ask you probably most of the 15 odd years that I think we've known each other, which is why Quarry 111? It is a, a common question, and, and, and rightly so. I can understand why, <laughs> why people would ask me that. And, I've, and I, I feel slightly embarrassed given the name of this podcast, uh, so I, I, I humbly apologise before I give you the, uh, the explanation. But when I started and sat in the, uh, the loft of my house uh, next to the water tank where I'd bolted the desk uh, to it, I seem to remember, <laughs> I, I was adamant that I didn't want Geo in the title of what I was doing because it sort of argued against what, Quarry 111 was going to stand for, that the idea was take this technology, this industry, and go out into the big bad world and, and, and try and sell it. And so once you do that, you suddenly realize, well, hang on, I've got to come up with something, a name. I've got to come up with a name. And uh, yes, I can reveal to the world and all of your listeners that uh, Quarry 111 was the name of my room my first year of university. I was in the quarry block of uh, Bath University. I was in uh, 111, room 111. And that started uh, the f- uh, four years of great time and you know, great learning. And uh, well, not so much learning, more a great time. Let's let's be brutally honest yeah. here. And I enjoy myself. You know, I had a good time, and it, it gave me the capability to come out, get a job, and and, and get into this industry. And it, it suddenly struck me that that that's as good a reason as any. And if just to labour that point, it sort of it also instantly becomes a talking point, and it engages people. Absolutely. And it, and it suddenly you've wanted to know. And it, just to anyone out there thinking of starting their own, again, in inverted commas, geo company, you don't have to describe what you do in the name of your company. Don't feel that you have to go out there and explain yourself. You know, bring people to you. Bring, get them to ask you questions. Because as soon as you do that, you're effectively marketing yourself or more effectively marketing yourself. And I've been lucky in as much as I chose an unusual name and people have asked me that, but The principle stands. You don't have to go out and explain everything in the first sentence. Absolutely. And I think, as you were saying that, I was thinking the name starts a conversation. And that conversation is always a way of you starting to build a business relationship with somebody. And in fact, when I left Map Info back in 2008 now, you know, quite a long time ago, and I was filling in a registration form for something. And, you know, it was a couple of months after I'd left and I was sort of still working out what I was going to do. And you had to fill in 
what company you at? And I, I thought, I looked at this and I had no company. I had no idea what I was going to do after that info at that stage. And I thought, well, I'm nowhere. And then I looked at it and, and I thought, well, if I put a K in front of that and two W's into that, and it becomes, and so again, it becomes a story about how did you find this name, you know, and it, as for anybody who's working out how to market your business, the first thing people are going to see is the company name. And if it prompts a conversation, then that's a good starting point. So do you only work with businesses in the geospace or do you provide marketing advice to other businesses? I have. I have worked outside geo. But again, uh, IT, technical in- industries, did some work in cyber protection, various other things and what have you. But I arrogantly... It might it just might sound, but I I have expertise in this industry, and and if people are going to buy anything mm. or, or or rely on you for anything, then it, it has to be the expertise within this particular yeah. industry, and to understand the point of marketing is to is to take certainly within the geo world or within any complicated technical discipline is to I believe remove the barriers to 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 new customers. So you have to remove that. Uh, complexity. You have to be able to explain things. And and I think to do that well, you have to understand what you're talking about in the first place. And so to go outside that expertise, yes, I've got a basic understanding of other industries, but I think my USP would disappear and has done it. I agree. I agree. And that's why most of my, in the 12, 13 years that I've been consulting with people, nearly everybody that I work with has got a location element to their business. Yeah, and then um, also... Not when... that I couldn't advise other... Yeah, sorry, carry on. Not that you can't advise other businesses, but you know so much more about this sector and it helps. Oh, agreed. And, and I think, I mean, yeah, people go out and get Steve Urban. I mean, they, they know what they're getting, you know, and they can rely on that. And they, yeah. can, they can understand when, when you come in the room, you, you bring a certain authority with you. And, and I think people are going to be happy to buy that and happy to, happy to rely on the advice that you give. Yeah, or on some occasions ignore it, but that's another But at least you've given Um, it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So do your clients mainly work in B2B or do you work with B2C clients? It is very much B2B, but I think that's that's indicative of the industry, I think. Yeah. There are only. I'm just trying to think. There, there are. There obviously are a number going out in the B2C world, but the 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 vast majority of of the geo industry would be selling into other industry, other organizations, other industries, other businesses. And the B2B marketing, I, I, I think most people working whatever industry would believe that is different to B2C. I think there are things that are ignored in B2B marketing that shouldn't be, like emotion, which is a big thing in, in B2C mm-hmm. marketing. And people feel that they, because they're selling to, a, to another company that that's not required. You simply need to make the case, make the business case. And I disagree. I, I think within marketing of, of to anyone, to anything, you are still marketing to people when, when you boil it down. And so that frustrates me, the marketing within B2B of all types, not, not just within our industry, but within, within all types, is can be prosaic. It can be dull. It can be you know, very straightforward in yeah. a description of what here, this is what we do. This is the price that we do it at. And we um, would you like to buy it? And that, that's sort of a, a lot of the case that you, when you look at campaigns, you think, well, no, you engaged me or have you sort of t- taken me along on your journey or, or, or made me believe in you or any yeah. of those things that makes me go out and buy a pair of Air Jordans or, or whatever it is. Yeah. I think oh, that's so true, that thing about 
even in B2B, you need to add emotion. I remember listening, I think the first time I listened to Jack Dangerman doing one of his big keynote presentations somewhere. I don't, I can't remember where it was. It doesn't matter. And Jack's an amazing evangelist, not only for Esri, but also for the whole of our industry. And he was talking I think it was an Esri audience, actually. Uh, but what he did was he was highlighting all the great things you could do with the software. And, of course, he was saying that you could do it with Esri's software. But the message was that we're on a mission to save the world, to make the world a better place, to solve the environmental problems. And by the time he'd finished, this audience felt fantastic. They'd made decisions to go with Ezra's software, and what they were hearing were all the wonderful things that were being done with it. It was a, just a brilliant emotional presentation, you know, and you're so right that you have to win people's hearts and minds, not just their you're, their checkbook. You're 100% right, and, and I've sat in, in that hall in San Diego with 15,000 other people where he mm. is on the stage on his own, and his opening sentences, and, and i, I like you remember it very clearly is, is that you are changing the world talking to his audience he says by doing what you're doing you're making a difference you're changing who doesn't want to hear that who who, in, who on earth yeah. doesn't want to be told that they're important that they're changing the world and and i don't think it's a coincidence that esri yes all right they were one of the first to markets but i don't think it's a coincidence that esri is the, one of the biggest players in this marketplace it's one of the the most successful companies around the world because that sits at the heart of of their messaging and i, I agree with you yeah so we often hear that Geo has a problem in getting recognized in the wider IT world. I mean, a lot of the time we hear people bleating about the fact that people don't understand what we can do and all of that kind of stuff. And why do you think we fail to get the message over to people outside of our industry? How, how, how why long are we is talking to ourselves? Uh, <laughs> you want to go? Uh, I can give you my, uh, my two-day uh, yeah. workshop or, or my week. But no, I, I understand the point. I understand the question. I, I think yeah. there's a big part of it, rather counterintuitively, is because we spend an enormous amount of time of our communication uh, telling people what it is. We, nobody is interested in what it is any industry does they just don't care what they're interested in is what you can do for me what's what does your technology do that makes my life better to your point about how jack uh, goes out into the marketplace and it is that requirement because we're a technical industry we must explain well there are so many uh, examples of successful technology how many uh, mobile phone users are there in the world well billions there are billions of, uh, of people who use yeah. mobile phones how many of them understand how gps works how the how the network of satellites <laughs> understand how gps or why there's an atomic clock on each of the satellites and what that's doing up there well none of them i mean statistically speaking i'd say maybe a thousand two thousand whatever the number mm -hmm. is and that's because it doesn't matter what matters is the gps allows you to find your car or find your way home, or find your loved ones, or, or all the things, the wonderful things that, that Geo can do are wrapped up in the presentation of, this makes your life better, this makes you safer, this makes you whatever it is. And so I think as an industry, we, we so often miss that. When we're, my biggest bugbear, certainly in Earth observation, is, is showing pictures from space. 
I can't. I, I honestly, I, it, it drives me up the wall because unless you're selling art, that's of no interest. It's of no use. It, it, it isn't. It isn't what people are buying. You might as well show a GPS signal to somebody to sell them a phone. They're not going to buy the phone because of the quality of the GPS signal. They're going to buy the phone because it makes my life better. And I think, I really do think, and I've said this all the way through my career, I think things are beginning to change. But I, as I say that, I've, I've said that nearly every decade I've been involved. But I, I do, I think people are beginning to understand that you don't sell images, you don't sell data, you sell, and people have started using the word insights, but analysis ready data all this kind of thing i think is a slight nod eventually that people say you know what people don't want images they don't want the data they want to be able to create products they want to be able to make people's lives better and i think there's still a barrier between those two things but i believe it is those barriers are coming Mm -hmm. down slowly people are beginning to understand yeah i think you're right I i thought that example of who wants a picture from space nobody who wants some insight that could change lives lots of people is a good one i think using that really simple value proposition canvas where you talk about what are your customers pains what are their problems understanding their problems and then talking about how you fix their problems and make their life easier that's the way to to sell and to market any service it doesn't have to be it's no different whether it's geo or anything else so yeah i I absolutely agree with you. So have you got an example of a great success story in marketing where somebody has focused on solving problems rather than describing features? Within the geo industry? Yeah. Well, we, you and I may well fall out if I, if I bring up the example that I, <laughs> I'm about to. But I mean, you couldn't, I don't think you can criticize what three words for what they've done in the marketing of their product. I think irrespective of what you think about the, I guess, the technical merits or the the wider Mm. business model that they're using, the marketing of what they have done, sorry, the marketing of of their product has been fantastic. Tell me another product that has got into all of the emergency services or has gone out there and explained to a waiting world how geography is, can be so accurate, can be so easy to convey through the use of, of the three words. And I'm, I'm aware. And in fact, it sort of strengthens my argument. Google does it. Various other people have done it in the past, and they've come up with numbers, and they've yeah. come up with various other things. But who's made it? You know, who's who's actually broken through? And who, who now? Now I realize their business model is raise money and spend it at a great rate of knots. Well, that's not a bad business model if you look outside of, of Geo. Look at other organizations that have done that and, and have, have become unbelievably successful. But it has taken a very, very long time and a lot of money to do it. I understand that. I would I would you know I, I don't have an argument against yeah. that. But to your no, point about uh, who who's done it and who's a great success, you would have to say that they are. And what's really interesting about that, Alistair, I think, is that there are certainly a group of people in the established geo industry who are highly critical of what three words. And, you know, and it, without, it's fairly well known that I'm one of those. I, I'm not critical of them. I just think it, it's a bit of fluff and all of that. But what we're really saying is, there's no substance here. There's no technical detail here, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying that's all the case about what three words, but we're so obsessed with 
technology and features and capabilities. And why would you do it that way when you can, we've already done it? That we can't see that what these guys have done is take a really simple product, a simple concept, and marketed the shit out of it. They've gone, they've poured millions and millions of pounds into marketing, and it is having an effect. You know, some of us would groan when we see the adverts on TV and we see another police service saying they're going to use this or an emergency rescue service. But the guys have done an amazing job. I think it's a great example. They also, I mean, I remember first reading Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm, and it's really the only <laughs> only book I've sort of retained in my head and the, the model and what have you. And they have. They've crossed the chasm by becoming known for one thing. And that, again, I think is a real lesson to everybody. Get known and get known for one thing. Because you can all, once you have a, a number of clients, a, a, a mass of clients above a certain number, you can expand. But you can't until you get that, that mass of clients, that, that, that uh, momentum that you need. And I think these guys have done it brilliantly. What three words? I, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Chris Sheldrick give his spiel. I mean, he, you could pull a string in his back, and I'm sure he could just give it. But that's brilliant. That's what you need because he never goes off message. He always says it. People understand it, and, and he keeps and keeps and keeps and saying it. And now they've got to a point where people are asking maybe for other things. But there's such yeah. a momentum behind it, they can consider doing that because they have got into that early majority. They have got the, the mass of clients that they need to make it. Now they can start looking at how they generate the revenue that those investors are probably looking for. <laughs> well, and that's another conversation for another time. But I'm, I must say, you're absolutely right. And uh, Chris Sheldrick has been telling the story about what prompted him to start What Three Words, you know, working on a location in a field and getting equipment delivered and all of that. And he's told that story consistently and engagingly for... Agreed. Agreed. You know, and he tells it. Six, Whenever seven I see years, him tell it, it's as if he's telling yeah. it for the first time because he understands, yeah. and I think, again, another lesson, if you want to take it from the example as you asked, is whenever you're talking to somebody, this is the first time they've met you. This is the first time they're there. So you have to talk, understanding mm -hmm. that point. And so however many times you think you've said it and how many times you believe people should have got it by now, they won't have done. And so you have to speak with that yeah. same passion, that same commitment to what you're doing every single time. And it's not just speaking, of course. It's every every time you contact a client, every time you, you – whatever interaction you have with a prospect has to carry that kind of – that same story, that consistency and that passion for what you're doing. And I think a lot of people lose that. A lot of people lose that because they become obsessed with the channel. So, oh, we must do digital marketing. Well, what are we going to say? Let's not worry about that. We just need to do digital marketing. Well, it's not going to work. It's not going to work without that consistency of message and the passion behind it. No, and I think another thing that occurs to me is simplicity. You have to be able to distill your message into something really short and simple and then keep repeating it. There's an old newspaper thing that says that the first paragraph of your of a newspaper article should be 26 words. And in the days when we had print newspapers, you would always find this sort of pyramid structure so that they'd op the opening paragraph would be 26 words. And if you read nothing else, you would have the gist of the article. You wouldn't have all the detail and all the, the fine elements. And then as you read down, so they gradually start to unpack it. 
The lead, uh, the lead has always the, been the absolute key to an article for sure, because and the whole point yeah. of it is, is, is to give enough. This goes full circle back to the name of a company. But the whole point of the yeah. lead is to give enough to make people want to read on. And, that's, yeah, that's, absolutely. and that works all the way through marketing. Every single thing you do, mm. you must think, how do I just bring that person slightly closer to me? So how do they want to carry on reading? How do they want to know more? How do, and that's, you're absolutely right. And so many people put that at the end or, or don't put it at all and just leave it out completely and just simply describe what it is they do. And, and people will never make that leap between what it is you do and how you can help me because that takes effort. Mm. That, that involves me thinking, and I don't want to think. I want you to lead no. me down that road. I want you to tell me. So a lot of our audience today are small businesses, geo-entrepreneurs, guys who are think, guys and girls who are thinking of starting a business. If you were going to give them a bit of marketing advice, what would you say to them if you were going to try and give them a one-minute course in marketing, which is ridiculous? But it also is, is vaguely – it does – sort of talk to people's attitude towards marketing that hang on I can give me a minute and I, that's all I need whereas if I were a programmer and you said to me well give us a minute mm. on how to solve this particular problem it would seem a ridiculous question and and I think okay. it's rare yeah. it's rare that marketing is is put alongside in all these startups and I do help as many as I can my first question is on and what's the marketing plan and very often that's quite, that's greeted with silence to a certain extent where people have said, well, we'll create it and then we'll go out into the marketplace. So, but I will answer your question because I realize I'm avoiding it uh, and I, I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> I would I would ask people to talk before they make anything. Go out into the marketplace and ask. Ask as many people as you can without giving away your idea. I understand that you know a lot of these ideas are, are where the value is. But I've seen a number of products launched into a marketplace with no research whatsoever because you believe it's brilliant technology. Now, it may be brilliant technology, but it may have been no use to anyone. And those two things are very, Absolutely. very different. You, know, you must be able to say, well, again, go back to what three words, very simple, very simple to understand. Not, I wasn't about to say not brilliant technology. That's a bit unfair. It's great technology, but it's not groundbreaking. It's not, it's not the sort of AI no. stuff that everyone's talking about, but it's really, really useful. And that is the yep. key. So make it useful. And the be best way to work out if it is, is to, is to do that research up front. And so little of that market research is done. I absolutely agree with you, Alistair, because whenever I work with companies and advise them, and we and I, get, I come at it as a marketing-centric business person, you know, sales and marketing person, it is astonishing the amount of resource that is invested into product without any proper understanding of the market, the customers, their problems, the competition. And people can go and invest millions and millions of pounds into developing products without ever understanding what the market for those products is. It's, it's a tragedy, and I think you're absolutely right. One book, what book would you recommend to people if they're going to go and sit and read something about marketing? I've, I've, already, I've already mentioned it, and I've, I've read hundreds of them, and uh, I, I, I would gladly not have read 95% of them, but I would. Uh, Jeffrey Moore's <laughs> Crossing the Chasm, 
100%. If, okay. if you want to understand how to market, and it's 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 30, 30 years old, 30, 40 years old now, it still holds up. Yeah, and I'd add to that, the one book that I recommend to every one of my clients is the Value Proposition Canvas. I'll put the details of that also in. It's just a brilliant book, short, for understanding how to find a fit with your customer's needs rather than just going off and making stuff and then hoping to find a market for it. Really brilliant book. Alistair, we're running out of time, so I'm going to move you to my last question for you, which was you told me that you wanted to start a discussion on giving data away and the free economy. So go for it for a couple of minutes. For a couple of minutes. I mean, this is uh, – I, I, yeah. I am going to have to talk quickly. No, I, I, I've been saying this for quite some time, and it, it goes back, I think, to the GPS uh, idea. Look, look, look at what works. Look at how we can really develop – a marketplace. And I've written about this, so none of this is new. And, and it has caused strongly worded emails to be sent back to me. But that, that I, I like. I like that idea. I, it, it proves people are reading it and they're, 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 they're taking notice. So that's good. I really believe, certainly in the Earth observation world, there's a problem. There's a real, there's a huge barrier. And other people are writing about this. You, you only have to go on Twitter to see that. But the accessibility to the data is a huge problem. It's a huge problem of holding people back. Look at what Sentinel's done to the marketplace. I think is fantastic. I really do. I think I think what ESA has done there. Now, you would argue in the commercial world, you can't give away data. You have to sell it. You have to recoup the investment. I'm not at the helm of a, a satellite constellation, but I disagree. I think you will only ever get back a certain amount of the, the investment that you've made with that model place, with that model. And I think the really brave Constellation owner will be the one that suddenly makes their data available for free, for, for use, for wow. um, for, for the, the person that goes out. It, again, I'm looking at what's worked. How many, how many websites in the world are, are, are run by WordPress? 40, 45% of the, all of the websites yeah. on, the, on, the, on the planet are run by freely available, free to download piece of software. What's the ecosystem around WordPress worth? Billions, absolute billions. And there are companies now raising hundreds of millions of dollars in VC because they're, they're developing on top of and making that technology simple to use. Gaming technology. I mean, Fortnite changed, changed the gaming world. Uh, almost overnight, to use a pun, but free to download, free to play, uh, free to network with all of your friends. The only thing was, was in-game purchases. Well, I mean, Epic are a private company. We still don't know quite what them, but they were, the rumors are $100, $150 million of revenue per month from a free game. So I know it's difficult, and I saw your reaction, but obviously on the podcast, we can see each other, people yeah. can't. But when I said it'll be the brave constellation owner that, that, that makes their data available for free, because it is a bizarre thing to say. It is a strange thing to say. But we know in the real world that these, these data suppliers are making their money elsewhere. Uh, they're not making it in the marketplace, really. So why not? Why not have a, a model that is different, that is... Uh, that will that will allow that kind of innovation, that will allow that ecosystem to grow around the use of a of a new data set. Gosh, that will be exciting. That will be exciting. It will be exciting, and I will applaud from the sidelines the person that takes yeah. it forward because it will take bravery and it will take. But again, look at look at the examples. Look at how people have yeah. developed successful companies, and look at the way that they did it. Yeah, and 
the thing about all this data is that it's being generated at such pace that you can you can imagine models where data is is at a premium for 48 hours or 72 hours from being captured and then becomes freely available, for example, where the currency of the data has a specific value that people are willing to pay for, but other innovators can access the data retrospectively for analysis and all sorts of other use cases. Agreed. Um, And the archives, yeah, I mean, I I would have – I know there's value in the archives. I understand that. But there's more value in something being used than not. If something's simply being yeah. stored, it's costing you money anyway to store it. So why not have it used and, and, and see what see what comes of that? A PN for open data in the Earth observation space. I think that's something that you're going to see quite a lot of discussion about, particularly at Phosphagy in Buenos Aires this year, because I know they've got a big open Earth observation strand going on at the conference. Alistair... Inevitably, we've gone on too long. We had loads more things that we could could have talked about. I'm sure there are going to be people who want to talk to you to find out about possibly using your services, getting some advice. How can they get in touch with you if they want to talk about marketing? Well, another distinct advantage of having an unusual name is you stick it into Google and it's the only one that comes back. So, uh, yeah, if you put Quarry 111 into uh, any popular search engine, it'll come back. The website's there. Alistair at quarry-11.com. You'll find me there or LinkedIn or, or Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm usually on one of them. Brilliant. So, yes, be delighted to hear okay. from anybody. Great. Alistair, thanks very much. Been great talking to you today. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it enormously. Get people. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is Geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future Geomob event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.